As we come to look at this wonderful passage, let's pray and ask for God's um, help in doing so. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus' teaching. Help us by the power of your spirit to understand what you're saying this morning and help us to be your people. And help me as I speak to speak truly according to your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're living in a time of changing church. 2020 has been a year where the church has changed dramatically because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, we're now doing many services online where we weren't doing that last year. We now got two services on a Sunday morning where that didn't happen before. And um, negatively, there's lots of things that restrictions are in place. And I suspect that moving forward, um, we all want to get back to some of the same things we had before. We, we didn't have, like not having to wear masks in church and be able to sing in church. But there may be some things as well that will, will change, that will be permanent changes, hopefully for the better. But as we change as a church, as we develop as a church, um, for whatever reasons, we need to make sure we hold on to the fundamentals of what it means to be church, what it means to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, to be that community of believers. And so as we look at this passage this morning, it comes from Matthew chapter 18. It's part of Jesus' teaching on how disciples should relate to one another within the community of his people, within the church. Um, as we saw last week, it stems from a question asked by the disciples, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus wants to challenge them straight away about their attitudes and even asking that question. And he wants to help them see that, that to run after being the greatest, to run after being the most important, the most significant, is, gives real danger of, their own, of them not making it into the kingdom of heaven themselves. Um, because you need to be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. You need to be humble. But also there's danger that they might um, put others off that feel insignificant, um, that don't feel they match up as the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said we need to be like a child. We need to be humble if we come to the kingdom of heaven. And now in this section, he wants to um, underline a really most fundamental value of the church. He wants to show us that every disciple matters to God. And so every disciple should matter to us, no matter how insignificant they may seem. And that is a fundamental value that we should have in the church, no matter what changes that we make. And Jesus makes his point using two very powerful pictures. And the first picture is this one. It's talking about their angels in heaven. We see that um, in verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. When I was at university, I knew someone whose dad was a cabinet minister at the time. His dad would be someone who sat in the cabinet in 10 Downing Street with Margaret Thatcher, who was prime minister then, um, and all the other cabinet ministers. His dad had access to the most powerful person in the country. This guy was one step removed from being able to talk to Margaret Thatcher at the time. And what the picture Jesus gives here is a bit like that, in the saying that um, the most insignificant disciple you can think of 
their angel, that the, the being in heaven that's most closely connected to them is in the throne room of heaven seeing God's face like a cabinet minister sitting at the table in 10 Downing Street. And yet this is infinitely more amazing and infinitely more wonderful than that because God is more powerful, more mighty, more awesome and more wonderful than any prime minister, president, king or queen. He's the eternal ruler of the whole universe. And no matter how significant or insignificant you are within God's people, Jesus says, your angel sees his face in that cabinet room of heaven. And, and it may be that as Christians, we miss something about what Jesus is saying here. Isaiah has a vision in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6. And he's in the temple. And as he's in the temple, he sees God on the throne. And around God are flying these angels. Um, they're called seraphim. They're sort of maybe fiery angels. And if they're flying around God, they're close to God, and they're crying out again, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's an amazing vision. And as they speak, the very temple shakes. These angels themselves are awesome and powerful, and yet their, their might and their power and their splendor points to the power and splendor of God in the middle. And yet, there's one key detail about this vision. These seraphim that are flying around, two of their wings are covering over their faces. It's saying that these angels, mighty and awesome and powerful as they are, cannot look on the face of God. And yet, what does Jesus say in Matthew 18, verse 10? The angels of these little ones those who believe in Jesus, those who have become like little children so they can be part of the kingdom of heaven, those who might seem completely insignificant in the world's eyes, their angels are mightier and more powerful and more significant in the throne room of heaven than those seraphim that Isaiah saw flying around God. Every disciple matters to God. And the second picture that Matthew, um, Jesus gives us here in Matthew's Gospel is the story of the lost sheep. It's, it's a more familiar one. It's a very well-known story. If you went to Sunday school, I'm sure you learned it. If you ever had a, a children's Bible at home, you probably read it as one of the most famous stories that Jesus tells. Yet we do need to be careful here because in Matthew's Gospel, um, the story is in some ways the same but in some ways different to the same story that Jesus tells in Luke's Gospel. Both stories involve a hundred sheep. That was probably an average-sized flock at the time. Both stories involve one owner of the sheep, and both stories involve one sheep getting lost and the owner going and searching, or the shepherd going and searching for that lost sheep. And the shepherd or owner finds the lost sheep and brings it back and rejoices at finding it. Those are the similarities between the two stories. They're, they're very similar. And yet there are some crucial um, and subtle differences to what Jesus is teaching in Luke and in Matthew. And a key thing to notice um, is the context of the stories. There are other differences as well. But in Luke's Gospel, 
Jesus is talking to the Pharisees who are criticising him for hanging out with sinners and tax collectors and so on. Uh, And he's using the story to justify his reaching out to these sinners to bring them back to God. So in the story, the lost sheep represents the sinner who's outside the people of God being brought back by God into the people. It's a story that justifies Jesus' evangelism, if you like, even to those whom the the Pharisees have, have cut out of the kingdom of God. But in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is speaking not to the Pharisees, but to the disciples. And the context of what he's talking about here is he's teaching about how we relate to one another within the community of faith, within the church. So that here, the lost sheep isn't so much um, someone who is outside of the community being brought in, but about taking care of those within the community that seem to be wandering off, who seem to be um, falling away from faith, falling away from belonging to the community. If you like, Luke's version is about evangelism. Matthew's version is about pastoral care. Luke's version could be summed up with Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And actually, some of the ancient manuscripts put that verse from Luke into this part of Matthew's gospel um, because they wanted to make that connection. But actually, Matthew's version, to understand what it's about, Jesus tells us what it's about. In verse 14, he says, In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that one of these little ones, i.e. one of these believers, should be lost. And this is a real challenge to us as a church. Because how worried are we, or how concerned are we, if people wander away from the Christian faith? I don't mean people leaving St. Luke's to move away and go to another church, or even go to another church locally because they prefer that one. We're not worried about people changing churches, but we should be concerned about people leaving the Christian faith, drifting away so they no longer believe, they're no longer part of the kingdom of heaven, they're no longer saved. Does that concern you? Tragically, it happens so often, and every time it does, for God it is a tragedy. And for us it should be a tragedy too. And although we shouldn't be like a cult trying to control people and bully people and force people to come back into the fold, if you like, nonetheless, we should make sure that as best we can, we make the church a place that people want to be a part of. A place where every disciple matters, no matter how significant or insignificant, no matter how much they can do for the church or not do for the church, no matter how much money they give to the church or, or can't give to the church, no matter how young or how old they are, every disciple matters to God. And so we should make sure as a church we show that by showing that they matter to us as well. And I want to suggest three ways to respond to this as Christians, as a Christian community. And this... This idea that every disciple matters should be a key value for us as a church. But it should also be um, shown in our key activities as a Christian church, no matter what ways we change as a church. And I think it's three activities that we can link in to showing this that every disciple matters. 
And the first one is this. The first one is that we should pray. If, if every disciple matters to God, then surely we should be praying for them. Do you know that your prayers also go into the throne room of heaven? Do you know that your prayers come before the face of God? In Revelation chapter 8, there's a great heavenly vision again. It's great picture language. Uh, there, there, it says that the angel pours incense on the altar. And the smoke from the incense goes up before God. And it says that this incense represents the prayers of all the believers. It's trying to make us clear to us that our prayers go before God, that just as we matter to God, our prayers matter to God as well. And so if we care for other Christians, if we care for other disciples, surely we want to pray for them so that once again they're brought into the presence of God. Once again they're remembered in God's heavenly throne room. So do you pray for your fellow believers? That's something you can do despite the lockdown measures we face, despite the, the, the breakup of the way we normally do church. As a vicar, I try to pray for every member of St. Luke's. That's about 200 different people, including children um, and adults and everyone. I try and pray for each by name at least once a week. Now, I'm a vicar. I'm called partly as my role to do that. And obviously, you can't pray. Probably most of you haven't got the time or the knowledge to pray for all the members of St. Luke's. But could you pray for 20 members of our church family? Maybe draw up a list. You could pray for four a day, for five days a week. Um, think about those that you know at St. Luke's. Maybe particularly those who you feel are more on the edge of things, are more likely to wander off, aren't maybe known by so many, so that they are prayed for by you. And you're showing that you value them as a disciple that matters before God. We should be praying for one another if every disciple matters. <laughs> Secondly, of course, we should, we should care for one another if every disciple matters. And caring means staying connected to those within our community. The sheep that wanders off, what, what's his problem? It, it's wandered off from the rest of the flock. As, as it's wandered off, it's in danger of being eaten by wolves or getting more lost or caught up or falling off a cliff or something. Uh, and the big danger for many Christians is that they do wander from the community of faith. They stop attending church. Maybe they move to a new area where they can't find a church that's quite like the old one and, and so they, they don't really um, settle anywhere and they, they just stop going. Or maybe life gets in the way, work gets in the way that stops them attending regularly and gradually they, they drift away from the people of God. As Christians, we should be looking out for people where that is happening and seeking as best we can to stay connected, not, not trying to control them, not trying to bully them back to church, but, but showing that we care, showing that they're valued. And over lockdown, we tried to do that as much as possible as a church. So we, we set up a phone network where we got different people to phone other people within the church to, to help show that they're connected. I know in some, many cases that's now dropped by the wayside, particularly as the, the worst of a lockdown is over. 
Um, but maybe we should explore how we can um, build on that for the future. We've also made sure through email, um, and where email doesn't work, through letters, that people get a communication every week um, from St Luke's. We try to make the services available to everyone, um, whether in person in church, um, online on YouTube, or for those who can't access YouTube, we produce DVDs for them to do that. We want to try and make sure everyone can remain connected to show that we care for them, that they're a valued member of our community. And we've got to be very careful about the, the opposite of that. Jesus says in verse 10, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. We're not to let people feel that they don't matter. We're not to let people feel that they are insignificant in the church. We are to show that they're valued, that they're cared for. Um, as church changes, let's make sure we remain those who care for others, um, particularly by keeping connected with them. And, and finally, we need to share God's word with others. Um, the Greek word for wonder um, actually is the way you get the word planet from, because the planets, if you look at the night sky over time, the planets wander around the background of all the other stars that are fixed. Um, and that word planet for planets, or wanderer, planeto in Greek, um, when it's used elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, it's used for those who have got, have wandered off from the truth. So in Matthew 22, Jesus is talking to the Sadducees, and they're debating about whether there is life after death, and the Sadducees are saying there's no resurrection, there's no life after death. And Jesus says to them, you've wandered from the truth you've wandered from a proper understanding of scripture you've wandered from a proper understanding of the power of god that's why you're so wrong uh, and then in in matthew 24 jesus is teaching the disciples about the the last times and he says be careful that when false christs and false prophets and false teachers come you're not deceived so that you wander off from the, from the truth it's the same word again and wandering as a disciple is often when we go away from the truth, when we start having wrong ideas and wrong understandings and false teachings. And to correct that, to help that, to help that stop happening, we need to share the truth. We just share God's words. And that's why we keep teaching week after week at St. Luke's. We want to teach from the Bible. That's why we have small groups. And even during lockdown, we've had Zoom Bible studies to help people understand the Bible, answer their questions. That's why we have courses like Christianity Explored and so on so that people can be rooted in the truth that they don't wander from it and don't lose their faith. If every disciple matters, we want them to know the truth. We want to share the truth with them. So are you trying to do that? Are you encouraging others to look at the Bible? Maybe are you even reading the Bible with others? If you're in a family, are you reading the Bible with your children that they can know the truth? Um, uh, uh, could you possibly meet up with someone else? You can't meet in more than six, but you can meet with one person and read the Bible with them, possibly socially distanced in a coffee shop or something. Um, could you be part of a Zoom Bible study? Um, there's all sorts of ways where we can share um, the good news. Could, could you, for people that you know that aren't at other churches maybe accessing any teaching or any, anything else, share some of our services or other YouTube videos that you find helpful online? Let's work to show that people matter by sharing the truth with them.
Every disciple matters. Will you pray for them? Will you care for them and stay connected? Will you share God's word of truth with them? Do you believe that you're loved by God? We sing wonderful hymns that remind us of the fact that Jesus loves us, that he died on the cross for us. Uh, and I hope you find those comforting and encouraging and, and give you joy and peace. We, we take bread and wine when we take communion to remind ourselves that God died, Jesus died for us on the cross, that God loves us. Uh, we get so much from knowing that wonderful fact. But if you know that God loves you, do you know, if you know that you matter to God because he loves you, because he sent Jesus to die for you, and you also know that every other disciple matters to God as well. And if they matter to God that much, do they matter to you? Does every disciple, no matter how significant or insignificant, matter to you? Will you pray for them? Will you care for them? Will you share God's word with them? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word of truth. Help us to be those who, like you, value every disciple, no matter how significant or insignificant. And help us to um, pray for them, to care for them, and to share your word with them. In your name we pray. Amen.